0: This is Renee Frazier. I'm founder and CEO of Frazier Communications, the leading woman owned and woman led advertising communications firm in Southern California. Our mission is to change the world in positive ways with communications and our radio show is one piece of that puzzle. Our show The Deciders features leaders, change agents, educators, scientists who share their stories and insights that help us live better lives and as businesses, be better advocates for the community and for the environment. Have you ever thought about what's in your makeup, your shaving cream, or hundreds of other products you interact with every day? Researchers are telling us that many of these products contain what are called forever chemicals. They're harmful to the people and to the environment. My guest today is one of those preeminent researchers. He is Tom Bruton, the senior scientist at the Green Science Policy Institute, and he leads the Institute's research and policy work on forever chemicals, or PFAS, P-F-A-S-S. Tom Bruton, welcome to The Deciders. Thank you, Renee. It's good to be here. So, Tom, let me ask you first, what are the forever chemicals? Please explain and why they're harmful.
1: So forever chemicals are a group of substances. We often call them PFAS. That stands for per and polyfluoroalkyl substances. Quite a mouthful. And these are chemicals that are both really useful, but they're also particularly problematic because they don't break down in the environment. They break down very slowly, so slowly that uh, the the PFAS that are here with us now are going to be with us for for centuries or thousands of years. Some of these chemicals, the ones that have been studied the most Uh, have been shown to be toxic. They're linked to adverse health effects in people. Uh, And because these chemicals don't break down, uh, they're now found ubiquitously in the environment and drinking water and soil, um, even in places far from where these chemicals were produced or or even used, like at the poles.
0: So they come off of our bodies if we use them and, and they stay in the environment uh, and, uh, do they create damage to the environment? I mean, we know how plastic is also uh, all over, right? And we we don't we won't break down. Is there is it similar in that way? Um, it it is similar
1: in that way, and that these chemicals are, are getting put out there. They'll build up in the environment. They can build up within food change food um, chains in other organisms, um, and, and harm those organisms. And we can also be exposed that way. Oh
0: my. So we're consuming them. Now, can I find out if my products have PFAS in them? And so when I buy, for instance, a cosmetic product, I can check the label?
1: You know, you would hope so, but our research shows that that's not always the case. Um, All ingredients and cosmetics that serve a functional purpose are supposed to be included on the ingredients label. But we screened about 250 different products from the US and Canada. We found indications of PFAS in about half of them, and most of those contain no PFAS in the ingredients list at all.
0: And I, I asked you before, let me ask again, what's the functionality of them that causes companies to put the PFAS in a product?
1: These chemicals are often used to make makeup more wear-resistant, more long-lasting, waterproof. So we found that especially in places like waterproof mascara or eyeliner. Uh, They're also used to make cosmetics more spreadable and even to make them absorb more into the skin.
0: Well, you know, I'm familiar with this uh, to some extent. I invested in a woman owned company called U and Grace, uh, H-U-G-H and Grace. That's the name of the the couple's kids. Uh, They had struggled with infertility and realized that the hormone interrupters that they were putting on their skin was probably inducing some of that. Uh, and they've now come up with a line of uh, beauty products, uh, lotions, soaps, et cetera, that don't have the PFAS in them and some other chemicals. But are, tell me about how the chemicals are associated with illnesses like cancer and infertility.
1: Sure. So the, the two PFAS that have been studied the most are chemicals called PFOA and PFOS, more alphabet soup right. and um, data from from studies of humans, epidemiological studies. And also, data from animal lab studies show that exposure to those two chemicals is linked to a couple of types of cancer kidney cancer, testicular cancer, also elevated cholesterol, obesity, hmm. immune system problems like um, re- decreased response to immunizations, which of wow. course is a big concern, and also endocrine disruption in different ways.
0: So now I have to ask you, I have a PhD in social psychology. I have so a little bit of science background. Is the research correlation or causation? Have you been able to determine?
1: In in this type of research, it's very difficult to show causation. But what we see is that multiple lines of evidence point in the same way. So data from human epidemiological studies, data from animal studies that are well controlled, as well as um, what we call in vitro studies, studies of cells in plates. So Multiple lines of evidence pointing the same way Got it. Are, are a strong signal that these chemicals are implicated in these health
0: effects I, I I see now do you have any idea what the mechanism is or what they're doing are they as aberrations in the cells or is there a hypothesis about that?
1: There are different hypotheses for some for some of the different health effects I myself am not an expert in health effects research so i'm I'm not going to
0: Understand that I understand. Yeah, no, I understand. And and I'm I'm sure there's a large uh, body of research and people doing this work. Yeah, it's it's an ever growing body. Right. Right. Stay with us for so long. Why aren't they regulated?
1: Well, people might be surprised to learn how weak uh, our regulation of chemicals is in the U.S. You know, the first and really the only big law that we have that regulates harmful chemicals and products is TOSCA, the Toxic Substances Control Act. It wasn't passed until 1976, and when oh. it was passed, it grandfathered in tens of thousands of chemicals that were already in use, including many of these PFAS. And so those chemicals never had to undergo rigorous safety testing, and that data didn't have to be given to EPA.
0: Goodness gracious. so. 1976. That's pretty remarkable. I think we would have thought there was more protection, uh, but I, I can imagine that um, the cosmetics industry has a long, strong lobby effort, right? And uh, they do their own research which uh, uh, for their own ends, right? So they they probably do not want that kind of regulation or interference. And am I wrong about that?
1: You're not wrong about that. The, the regulation of cosmetics is, is a particularly strange case where the safety testing for the ingredients is left up to the industry itself to do. The, the Food and Drug Administration actually does not have the authority to tell cosmetics companies how they should test their ingredients for safety, um, even if they wanted to. And, and FDA really can, hardly has the authority to recall a product that it finds is unsafe. Uh, but the law that, that authorizes FDA largely hasn't been updated since the 1930s when like it was passed. So it's, wow. it's a real problem.
0: Well, now in, in the cosmetics area, though, I believe uh, it, was there a, a, a law recently introduced uh, in a bipartisan bill that affects this? can tell us about that.
1: There were there. There are a couple of, of hopeful pieces of legislation. One is related specifically to the to the presence of these PFAS chemicals in cosmetics. And this was a bipartisan bill that was introduced by Senator Collins of Maine, a Republican, as well as Senator Blumenthal from Connecticut. Susan Collins. I'm glad to
0: hear that. Okay. Yeah,
1: that that's right. Uh, and they're they're leading this piece of legislation that would tell the FDA to ban the use of P- the intentional use of PFAS in cosmetics. Uh, a pretty straightforward, common sense measure, and, and it does have bipartisan support, like you said. A companion bill was introduced in the House as well, and I believe that was led by uh, Representative Debbie Dingell of Michigan.
0: Ah, well, what's the status of both of these bills now? Are they so both, both of those
1: are um, in the respective committee. That, and so we're waiting on the committee to, to act on them. We, we know that they've got a lot on their plates there in DC. So we'll see how that happens. But folks who are interested in this can certainly let their representatives know that this is something they care about and that they, they hope to move forward.
0: And, right, I think we should uh, alert them to that. Uh, can we look on your website to see the bill numbers so, so that we could remind people what to Yeah, we,
1: we have a little. Um, page on our website all about this uh, with a link to a different organization where you can do an action that, that emails your representatives straight away. Right. Wonderful. The, well, the, now- other, the other thing I'll mention, there's another bill, a larger cosmetic safety overhaul bill led by Senator Feinstein uh, and also Senator Collins. And this is something that's been years in the making, and it includes a lot of more systemic reform to the way that cosmetic safety is done. And it includes, um, as, as one provision of that bill, this same ban on PFAS and cosmetics. And, and interestingly, a lot of the big cosmetics brands uh, are on record supporting that bill. Wonderful. Wow. Yeah.
0: This is Feinstein from California and Susan Collins from Maine. I'm happy to hear that. This is a larger bill, you're saying, that has even more, uh, more stipulations in it. Right. If you say the cosmetics companies are supporting it, Tell me why that is. Uh, you know, we, I, uh, the skeptic in me says, boy, maybe it's not as potent a bill as it could be because they're supporting it. What do yeah, you think? Some
1: would say that. Uh, I think, though, that manufacturers know that it's in their best interest for there to be a, a level playing field across the U.S. And there are instances of some states going in one direction and other states going in different directions. And the, and the companies don't like that. Good point.
0: Good point. Yeah. I think, you know, I had uh, worked for a long time in the video game industry with Sega and Nintendo, and, and there was a lot of scrutiny of violence in games. And they realized they had to self-regulate uh, before and the industry started to create you know, evaluation systems before the government comes in. But in this case, if, you know, working with the government to do the regulations makes a lot of sense. Um, do you know if this applies if the products are made overseas or are they just if they're manufactured in the United States?
1: I believe that the supply chains for many of these products stretch to overseas, certainly. Oh,
0: good, good. Yeah. That means, you know, if it's marketed in the U.S., then it's not allowed to, uh, to have these. How do, you, do you have any idea how this will be, um, if it's uh, passed, how it might be implemented? Will there be random testing of the products or submitting of information?
1: That's a good question. I, and I don't know what the thought is, but that's something I'd like to see as random testing to make sure that the companies are complying with this.
0: Well, absolutely. An organization like yours could do the testing, I would think. I mean, or are you primarily uh, just research based for academic purposes and moving the science along?
1: We do perform testing of products. We don't like to do testing and then call out companies for it. That's not what we're about. We're, we're trying to uh, understand the science and get it out there to people in a non combative way.
0: Understand, understand, and I'm glad you're doing it. I think it sounds fantastic. Let me let me ask about the toxic chemicals, other things. We focused on uh, cosmetic products, but what about food packaging and uh, furniture, things of that nature?
1: Yes, these same PFAS chemicals are used in both of those types of products, as well as lots of other types of products. Um, in, in food packaging, if you think about paperboard or cardboard products that you might Uh, get a salad in, uh, a to-go salad, one of those clamshells that that you might throw in the compost bin, often those contain PFAS. um, And and so they're actually not really compostable because those chemicals don't break down and and we don't want them in compost and then being put on our agricultural fields because they could end up in our food that way. Um, Fortunately, some states have now passed bans on the use of PFAS in food packaging, and that is having a big Impact on the industry. So we're now seeing big chains like McDonald's and Wendy's saying we're no longer going to use PFAS in our packaging. Good. That, that's Good. moving forward. That's great. Um, furniture is another place where these have been used. And, uh, and in that case, it's more about making fabric stainproof, stainproof, uh, waterproof. Makes sense. Things like that. And um, again, this is an area where you see some businesses that have already. Um, gotten the picture and are moving to to say that they're no longer going to use PFAS in their products. And so Ikea is, is a big company. pressure
0: coming from? Uh, you know, because uh, to make those kinds of changes happen, there has to be some kind of advocacy group. Uh, so, and it sounds like, Tom, that your group, the Green Science Policy Institute, is more about the science and the knowledge. Who's taking that and then promoting it uh, uh, to, for change? It's,
1: it's coming from a few different directions. There are more advocacy focused NGOs out there who are doing publicity and bringing attention to companies that use these chemicals. But another important driver is uh, demand from big purchasers. So mm-hmm. the, the commercial furniture industry, for instance,
0: is further ahead
1: uh, in getting out PFAS than the residential furniture industry.
0: So what about the uh, the furniture industry itself? Are they taking action and who's taking that action? against uh, PFAS,
1: They are taking action. And interestingly, the furniture industry has really broken into two different sectors. There's the, the commercial furniture industry and the residential furniture industry, different markets and different producers. And the commercial market is further ahead in in getting out of PFAS and even other types of toxic chemicals. And the reason for that is that they uh, their customers are large purchasers who are sophisticated organizations who have an interest in purchasing healthier materials and using their their big purchasing power to drive the market towards healthier products. So uh, a company like, you know, maybe I won't name company names, but but big organizations like healthcare systems or universities or municipal governments are saying to their furniture suppliers, we want furniture without PFAS. And that gets the attention of the manufacturers.
0: (laughs) I'm glad to hear that. And I think you're right. I often talk about the triple bottom line, how companies uh, clearly are focused on profit, but also people and then on the, the environment. Right. And the, the impact they have uh, on people's health and well-being in the community. Right. So in this case, companies are using their clout to make change happen. I'm, I'm actually very pleased to hear that. Uh, and advocating for that, we might identify one of those companies and bring them on just to hear what the process is like inside the organization uh, as they implement things like this. I I know that you could tell us some things that we can do. Uh, There's evidently an online tool that we can use to identify chemicals in some of our products. Is it called CLEARYA? C-L-E-A-R-Y-A?
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, CLEARYA. It's a really cool browser extension or app that you can download or or plug into your internet browser. And what it does is when you're shopping on Amazon or or Walmart or or some other online store, it can automatically pull up the ingredients list for the products that you're looking at and cross-reference those ingredients with um, lists of harmful chemicals put together by authoritative bodies around the world, like um, the California agency that deals with Prop 65. And so if you're looking at a sunscreen, for instance, and it has a, a chemical that Prop 65 says is harmful, it will automatically tell you that. And so as you're browsing, you can see
0: um, which, which products
1: you might want to be avoiding.
0: That's excellent. Clear, ya. Yeah. C-L-E-A-R-Y-A. Yeah. And I assume it's free, right? It is free, yeah. Add it to your browser. What a great idea. I think as people become more aware of these things, they want to take their own personal action and share it with others. So, Sounds like a great tool. And then you mentioned the uh, no PFAS is uh, the uh, legislation in cosmetics that's moving through Congress. We can. Would you suggest we support our let our, our representatives know?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's really important because
0: folks in Congress uh, actually are hearing a surprising
1: amount about PFAS. They're surprisingly aware of it because folks living in communities with drinking water contamination uh, have been very vocal in letting their congressional representatives know that this is a problem that they they want to be dealt with. But I think so far, our politicians have not heard so much about the issue of PFAS actually being in products. And so it's important that they hear that because it's actually the use of PFAS in products that's leading to a lot of the water contamination. These, these issues are linked.
0: Right. Makes sense, right? It goes through the uh, supply chain in a way, the reverse supply chain, the way in which uh, products are used and then washed, et cetera Right, uh, interesting. You know, we in my firm does uh, communications around health issues, anti vaping, helping people to uh, to cease using tobacco, and alerting people to how menthol has focused on Black African Americans and uh, to fight. You know, the consumption of it. Uh, we've also done um, uh, lead paint awareness. And lead in the water. <clears throat> unfortunately, as you know, if it's in the water and in our children, it can cause uh, significant damage, cognitive damage, and that uh, is long lasting. That's right. Uh, I wonder if there's been that kind of evidence with the PFAS, if it's that traumatically connected. I, you mentioned cancer. Some of these are incidents that probably occur with older adults. Any evidence that it has an impact on children? I think you, legislation seems to move a little bit faster when children are the focus point.
1: Yeah, you're right. And there is evidence uh, connecting those two chemicals that I mentioned, PFOA and PFOS, to developmental problems. So we we know that these chemicals can uh, cross through the placenta and that fetuses are exposed in the womb. uh, And that's worrying. And and there is some some data showing that uh, they, they can be linked to developmental problems. Yes.
0: Goodness gracious. You know, it's, uh, you know, these things in our environment that have long-term consequences that we don't really see the health consequences until much later in life. Uh, Shameful that they're not better in the regulations, but thank goodness the Institute is doing this kind of work. Tell me a little more about the Institute. Is is your focus totally on PFAS or are there other chemicals and toxic substances you do research on as well? So I've
1: spent a lot of time focused on PFAS, but our Institute is focused more broadly on the issue of, of chemicals of concern in consumer products. Uh, we did a lot of work on flame retardants. You may have heard about the issue of flame toxic flame retardant chemicals that were in yes. the nation's furniture foam. Uh, our Institute actually got its start by working on that problem and trying to change the California furniture flammability standard that was driving the use, the unnecessary use of all those harmful chemicals. Thankfully, um, You know, thanks to our efforts and the efforts of many others, that that standard has now been changed and furniture that's produced now does not have those harmful flame retardants. Right. In addition to those chemicals, we also uh, like to talk about the six classes of chemicals of concern. We think that, you know, there are tens of thousands of chemicals out there on the market and and trying to um, study them and regulate them and understand them all one at a time will just take too long because there's a mind boggling number of them. Mm-hmm. But we think that if, if we start to think about similar chemicals with similar properties, then there are, are maybe just six classes of chemicals that contain most of the, the harmful substances in commerce. And so those include PFAS, flame retardants, um, but also things like heavy metals, solvents, antimicrobials, uh, and bisphenols and phthalates. And so we think by focusing on just those six classes, consumers, companies, policymakers can make a lot of progress.
0: So, you know, uh, I've had on this show people who have developed cleanse, cleaning products that are all natural, uh, like. Uh, I think it's called Seventh Heaven. I'm, I just went out of my head the name. Seventh Generation, maybe. Seventh Generation. Thank you very much. And uh, and uh, another one that will come to me in a moment. I presume that means they're not using any of these classes of chemicals that you're referring to, that they're using only natural substances. So.
1: I I. I'm familiar with the, the excellent reputation of seventh generation and what ah. they're doing to use green chemistry, you
0: know, and, and steer away from chemicals that are harmful. Yeah, so, yeah. No, and I don't want you to endorse another one I can't even you know, remember <laughs> the name of. But uh, <clears throat> so I, I, from an entrepreneurial perspective, people who are developing products that stay away from these classes, these six classes of chemicals makes a lot of sense. And working within a framework of natural products to avoid the toxicity to the system and to the world. Right? Right. I'm glad to hear that. I think that uh we need to promote more of that with our entrepreneurs, our young entrepreneurs. I'm I'm I sit on a couple of advisory groups. I'm gonna I'm gonna emphasize this area and uh I, I'm gonna be using uh what I know now from the Green Science Policy Institute to inform them. Tell us about your website and how we can get more information about the organization. Sure. Well our,
1: our main website is Greensciencepolicy.org. That's three words altogether, greensciencepolicy.org. And there you can learn more about those six classes of chemicals, about some of the work that we've done on them. You can also find out more specifically about this issue of PFAS and cosmetics and, and about some actions that you can take. If you want to learn more about six classes, we have a separate website called sixclasses.org, sixclasses.org. And there you can watch quick easy to digest, not very no, I'm not going to say not scientific, but, um, you know, not, easy too dense, to,
0: not easily not, digestible and understandable. Got
1: yes. It. Quick videos on those chemical classes. So you can learn all about them and get up to speed.
0: That's great. That's great. Do you have any idea, Tom, if this is being shared at universities, uh, as part of, uh, you know, uh, chemical engineering, et cetera. Yeah. yeah,
1: we are working with some faculty at universities to incorporate the idea of the six classes into uh, engineering and into chemistry and into toxicology classes. Yeah, I think that's a really important route of getting this out there.
0: I agree. I think you need to get young people have a more top of mind. Right. And more. Right. And capture, capitalize on the idealism and and uh, and then moving into the field. Uh, and, and the uh, the institute itself, uh, how are you funded?
1: We are funded both through grants for, for specific projects, but also through charitable organizations.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. And you mentioned that you started with the fire retardant chemicals that had serious consequences. I remember right. those also being in pajamas for children.
1: They were in pajamas. And in fact, Arlene Bloom, who's the executive director and founder of our institute, was the researcher that did research way back in the 1970s, showing that those flame retardants in pajamas were harmful and were absorbed by children. So that's how she got started on this issue.
0: Wonderful. And wonderful. And it was a woman. Was she the founder of the organization or one of them, you said?
1: That's right. Yes, the founder of the organization.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm pr- happy to hear that. I'm a big advocate for women leading. And uh, that's a great example to hear. I think that's Fantastic. Well, thank you, Tom. Uh, Any last piece of advice you'd like to give to our audience, Tom, before we uh, sign off?
1: Yes, I'd recommend that uh, your audience should look at ingredients labels for the the cosmetics and personal care products that they buy and look for words like perfluoro, fluoro, because those are PFAS. And sometimes they do show up on labels. And those Uh. are products to avoid. I also encourage folks to let their uh, representatives know that they support the No PFAS in Cosmetics Act. And check out our website, greensciencepolicy.org, to learn more.
0: Thank you so much. This has been uh, Tom Bruton from the Green Science Policy Institute. I learned a lot about PFASs, and I will certainly be looking at my labels. You can hear more of our radio shows as podcasts anytime on our website at frasercommunications.com. Fraser Communications is a full-service advertising and marketing firm spreading good messages through communications to change the world in a positive way. And you can find us at FraserCommunications.com. We'll be back next week here on The Deciders with Renee Frazier. Have a wonderful week ahead. And thank you again, Tom Bruton from the Green Science Policy Institute.
1: Thank you, Renee.